have been made with a purpose and given specific gifts to accomplish your mission. This is Requip. Stay tuned to gain insights to prepare, equip, and empower you to do the work of ministry. Welcome back to Requip Ministries. It's really been put on my heart as I, as I begin to look around and, and see what's going on and see the opportunity that exists right now at this time in the church, with the church, moving about throughout the world is to make leaders. And I do want to welcome you. If, if it's your first time or you're just kind of coming on board, I want to encourage you to subscribe. That greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can also provide a review for listening to this on Apple. Greatly appreciate that. And hey, I have some big news I'm pretty excited about. I've been working on Renew's Discipleship Curriculum. And as you know, I've been working that, been self-printing that, but I've got a publisher to, to begin to work on that. And um, if, if you want to contribute, if you want to come alongside uh, because it's not free, but it's one of the mechanisms that we can use. It's a tool that we can get out to people, all of us together. We can get this tool out to people in churches to grow up disciples. And this is really, this is the outpouring of leadership. There's a lot of you out there listening. There's so many, There's there's been thousands and thousands of people now have been listening to Requip Ministries and it's just blown away. But God is gonna use you. God is going to grow your leadership in so many ways. But if you would like to, if God puts it on your heart, and if you want to contribute, if you want to give a donation, I would greatly appreciate it. And 100%, I don't take a salary from Recoit Ministry at all, but 100% of that goes to producing these materials and different things like that so we can get it out. So I hope that you would do that. As I begin to look at the world and as I begin to look at what's going on in the church and the church that I'm part of, I just love the body of Christ. I love the church that God has built. God is building the church. And I'm not talking about one individual church. I'm talking about the whole church, the bride of Christ that God has assembled. And then I even begin to look at my own self. We need leadership. We need even better leadership. And and I don't mean, hey, the leaders we have, they're no good. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm not beating up on anybody. What I'm saying is God is raising up leaders. I just see it. I just know it's happening. I just want to contribute in any way that I can. And I'm humbled to even bring this up. I know I'm not the greatest leader. Like I know that. I know that God's going to grow me teaching this. And that's one of the ways that he grows me. And I hope that he grows you in that way as well. This series will not be a 10-step process on how to be as awesome of a leader as I am, because I'm not. I will not be able to give you four principles to success that you deserve. I cannot show you how successful and amazing I am, and you just need to do these things, and you can be awesome too. And, and now that I've completely unqualified myself to speak about leadership— so I won't talk about that, but what I will do is do my best to share what God has already shown about leadership and what he's beginning to show me and beginning to bubble up within me and, and let that pour out in any way that, that it helps you. I just hope that it does. But I've effectively disqualified myself. And you're probably wondering, 
Why am I even speaking on this issue? Hey, that's a good question. The only reason I'm talking about this is because God has revealed a need, and I know that he will supply the wisdom. The only thing that I hope to give is what has already been given to me at this point, and and also what God has already revealed in his word through the greatest leader of all time, and his name is Jesus. And because that amazing leader gives generously when we ask, when we seek after him, he gives us that. So I think this year has likely been one of those times where it has revealed so many things that were once masked. No pun intended. I don't mean some kind of conspiracy cover-up where people are hiding something and then it's going to be revealed. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is I mean the terrain has changed. The terrain has been revealed and what's actually going on in the lack of development in so many leaders. You know, let's just be honest. For a long time in church, we could kind of get away with it. Like it was okay. But the, the terrain is changing. Things are beginning to shift. Things are beginning to change. In other words, the current state of leadership was likely always there. The things that are revealed right now, that that we have a lack of leaders that we kind of need because the terrain has changed, because the environment has changed, but God's just using this time to reveal it. So this is a good thing. This shouldn't be thought of as some kind of condemning thing and, oh, we haven't done a good job. That's That's not the way God operates. God does not bring condemnation. He doesn't do that at all. God brings opportunity. From my vantage point, it seems many church leaders are waiting for the conditions to go back to normal or to go back to a favorable condition for the current church system and how it was working. Hey, let's just wait. Let's just wait this thing out. Let's just, this thing's going to get better. It's going to go back to normal. And hey, maybe it does. Maybe the worst thing in a way is that things go back to normal and we rely too heavily on just the few leaders instead of allowing God because of the situation, to raise up new leaders and additional leaders. So I'm going to speak in a lot of generalities in a lot of ways. So if this applies, good. I hope that it helps. And if it doesn't, like, just don't get offended. Like, don't, this doesn't apply to you. If, if the shoe doesn't fit, then it won't fit. That's fine. But I think we have so much of an opportunity. What if the current issues... And the situations we see around the world was an opportunity and not an obstacle. What if God is making the centralized decision-making model less effective to allow us to raise up more leaders for multiplication? Most Christians would agree Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. You might also agree Jesus spent a tremendous time empowering his followers in developing leaders, because I love the way that Eric Geiger says in in his book, Designed to Lead. He makes this assertion, the church should develop leaders, and the church should be actually devoted to developing leaders. What I've noticed a lot of times when we, when we look at churches and, and large churches, could be small churches too, but the church seems to have more of an emphasis on leadership placement and less on an emphasis on leadership development. 
I'm not against leadership placement. I don't think it's unbiblical necessarily. But what I'm saying is the heavy emphasis, the pipeline, the mission was to grow up leaders, and that's making disciples, and that they could be the leaders to make other disciples. So this is a logical outworking of all the work we did, all the things we looked at with discipleship. So I hope to be as open-handed as possible. If you follow me on social media, I'm trying to be as open-handed as possible and hear what is out there. And a lot of you had comments and answered back because I asked the question, what would you like to hear about leadership? What are your thoughts? What are your concerns? There was a ton of comments and, and I've heard you. It was so helpful. And I'm continuing. I'm still just so many topics. I'm going to have so much content, so many things to really dive into. But you know what it really told me another thing? Other than the amazing content, the amazing contribution that you gave was that you're hungry for leaders and you're hungry to be better leaders. Being better leader is like exercise. You can get better and you will never arrive. Those are the two truths I want you to take away. Being a better leader is like exercise in the way that you can always get better and you will never arrive. There is never a shortage on tips on how to drop a few pounds, some workout programs, diets, that miracle pill that's out there, shakes to get you into the best shape of your life. And leadership is a lot like that, except without the empty promises. Often leadership development is about building you up or motivating your team to build your project to gain your success. But Jesus was different. We will discover Jesus called us to follow him to make other people alive. Ravi Zacharias once said famously, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. So I'm inviting you into a journey to be a conduit for God as he brings people to life. I'm thinking about myself the same way, and you're probably thinking the same thing. Who am I? What do I know? Who would follow me? I don't feel like I could ever lead somebody, let alone, I, I could barely even lead myself. I'll paraphrase a concept I heard from someone say a while ago. When you look at an apple, you know how much fruit exists. But when you look at a seed, there's no telling how many apples will be. God is not calling you to be a shinier, prettier apple, but to transform the ecosystem by raising trees in his orchard. It's about God, not you. When I was in the middle of my military career and I was enlisted starting out, so this was about 10 years in, I crossed over to be an officer and everyone that does that, they have to go to officer training. And that's in Quantico, Virginia for the Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps boot camp, when you go back to the enlisted side, the goal is to break you down, to build you up. And there's really a lot of good in that in a lot of ways. But it also sometimes produces some unhealthy pride. Shortly after arriving at officer training now, we go out to the field. If you don't know military jargon or what that means, the field is not where you go plant and harvest. You're not 
being a farmer. The field is where you go out training outdoor all the time for a period of time. You don't get to go back inside. You're not going back and checking your phone and seeing what's going on. No, you are outside in the field with all your gear on all the time with a whole bunch of smelly men and women for that entire time. Just living outside, simulating wartime while conducting this kind of training. I'd been in the military, like I said, for about 10 years at this point. So, you know, I I thought I knew what was going on. Like, this is nothing new. Then all of a sudden, a cold front moves in and it began to snow. Again, this was nothing too crazy. We began talking amongst ourselves, you know, the the different um, new officers going through this training and wondered, all right, you know, we've seen this before. When are they going to call this training off? Like, it's obviously unsafe. The instructors, they don't want to be out there in this, you know, starting to snow pretty bad. Everyone's freezing. And some of the instructors somehow overheard us grumbling. <laughs> it was pretty obvious. A number of us huddled together, shivering and grumbling and complaining. It wasn't too difficult to notice these men and women complaining, huddled together in a circle, trying to stay warm. If you know me, you know I hate the cold, like a lot. At this point, I could not feel my feet and Everything else was freezing on my body. Like I said, this isn't like you go outside and it's pretty cold. You're out there for maybe an hour or two, and then you get to come in and warm up. No, you're outside the entire time. There is no warming up. And the officer who was leading the training at the time said something to the effect, something like this that has stuck with me ever since. He said, you're now an officer. No one cares about you. Wow. He went on to let us know, we're not calling off the training, so we need to get to work. From this, I learned some obvious things. Number one, you're not the first person to go through something hard as a leader. The second thing is the environment will not adapt to you, and you cannot wait for favorable conditions. And it's not about you. It's about the people you are leading to something greater. Jesus didn't call his followers to an easy life, but to a meaningful one. Leaders get off course when they go after status and success, but God calls us to significance and ultimate satisfaction. This passage, I think, helps illuminate some of the things that are very helpful for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. His intent that now... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known through the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So we need to raise up some leaders so we can begin to make that happen and empower people to live that out. So what's my goal? What are we trying to do here in this series that's going to be several episodes long? I don't even know how long, as long as God keeps giving me things and I'm hearing from you. I'm going to pour it out as much as I can if it's helpful, and I believe that it will be. So what's my goal? I want to evaluate the environment to help people that maybe see something they don't see. Maybe there's something about the current situation, the current state of the church, the state of reality that the church finds itself in. Andy Stanley says something pretty amazing. He said, time in erodes awareness of. So maybe... I can be that person outside of your situation rooting you on to where God is taking you. 
I also want to help you evaluate the system based on what it produces. So I'm going to call things out. I'm going to say some things and you can begin to ask your question. Okay, is the system that I'm in or that I'm designed or that I'm leading, is it producing what I want it to produce? The other thing is I want to boldly propose you are an unnatural leader. We often think about being a natural leader, but I want us to be unnatural leaders, leaders that are filled with the Holy Spirit to do beyond what we could do. By God's grace, present some steps as we go along to develop a leadership path, maybe through skills, will, and authority, and you're giving away power, giving away ministry. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Every Christian, every disciple is a leader. You might not think of yourself in that way. For a long time, I didn't think of myself in that way. I want to give you a a, a couple examples. The first thing I think God wants us to know about ourselves, who we are, just a basic Christian, just somebody that's a disciple, just following Jesus, that we are a steward or a manager. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus presents this very odd, very interesting parable about this dishonest manager or this shrewd manager. And if you're unfamiliar with a parable, a parable is just a story that's not necessarily about a real person, but it gives real principles and it tells a big theological truth, something that impacts you in your real life. And this is such an odd parable, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of it and just pull out the key takeaways from that. But it's a strange parable, and a lot of people have some different thoughts about it because it's one of those parables where Jesus is actually highlighting the central part of the story is this manager that's very unethical. It's this guy that has not been doing a good job. He's not been a good manager. And then when his boss comes around and says, hey, I want you to get back to me. I want you to pay back everything you owe me. You need to figure out how to make this right. You're, you're going to lose your job. And when the manager hears about this, when he knows it's coming, he knows he's getting the pink slip. He's like, I know what I'll do because I'm very shrewd. I'm going to go around to all the people that owe my master money. And I'm going to tell them, hey, just change the amount on this and where it's only like you're paying half back. And so when the manager turns that in, the people only have to pay back a fraction of what they actually owed. And the manager is then looked favorably on the people that really stole money from the master. And it's so it's just a weird story. But what the conclusion of it is, is that Jesus basically says, you know, people of the world are more shrewd than people of the light. And he's saying it shouldn't be that way. He's saying you are a leader and you're supposed to use things to your advantage. And he's not saying you need to be unethical, you need to do things the wrong way, but he's using that extreme example to say, I want you to be somebody that is opportunistic in a good way. I want you to make the most of every opportunity. Tells us that in Ephesians chapter five, verse 16. He's saying, you need to be that way because you're children of God. You do things the right way, but you need to be shrewd. And he's saying, "That's, that's one of the kind of leaders I want you to be. 
The other thing is another illustration that Jesus gives, another parable. It's the parable of the talents. This is pretty famous. A lot of people have heard about this. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And he said, it will be like a man going away from a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with property. It's important to note that the servants or the managers, the leaders don't own any of this, but they are just stewards. They are just entrusted with this property. And then it goes on to one, he gave five talents to another two and to another, he only gave one to each according to his ability. Then he went away and he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. He invested and he made a return. He made twice as much back. So also he who had received two talents made two talents more. So again, even though he he had less talents, he had less ability, he had less to invest, he still made 100% profit back from it. But then it goes on in verse 18, but he had received one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came to settle accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more saying, master, you delivered me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master. Then it goes on. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talents into the ground. Here you you have, what is yours? Like I'm just, he's just returning it back to the master. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money into the banks. And at my coming, I should have received what my own with interest. So take your talent from him and give it to the one that has 10 talents for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So one had five, one had two, and one only had one talent. So in this story, really what we see is there are two leaders that have different levels of gifts and resources and talents and abilities. And the other one is not a leader. The other one is afraid of God, is afraid that God is unjust, that God's going to just take where he doesn't deserve. So I better just bury it because what if I lose it? God wants us to be like the first two leaders. 
And I actually don't even think the last person would be considered saved. Like they are afraid of God. The other people, they know God has entrusted. If God has given you something, guess what? That means you can invest it. That means he's given it to you because it will be fruitful. That those talents that you have, it can be used for his glory. So we learn that productivity is key, but it's not our productivity. We just need to send that out. We're we're like putting seed in the ground. It's gonna grow. It's gonna happen. I once worked with somebody and he was just a nice guy. He was just such a great guy. Like I had a great time with him. You know, and he even called himself a Christian. And we talked about God several times and it was just a great time, worked with him. Everything was good. We got along for the most part, except when it had to do with work. Because he was one of the most lazy people that I'd ever been around. He had a terrible reputation. And and I just remember thinking, what does this reflect to the people that don't know Jesus? To all the people around, what does this reveal what we think about God? What does this reveal about all that he's given to us? God reveals who he is towards the unwise, lazy person in the parable. And this should never come across condemning because that's not who we are. That's not who God's called you to be. God hasn't called you to be one that shrinks back and and is afraid of him. That's not a Christian. And if you're in that place and you're like, man, I I am a little afraid of God. I really don't know him. He seems a little harsh. I don't know. I want to encourage you to put your trust in Jesus. I want to encourage you to see that Jesus saw you at your worst, that God saw you at your worst. And God demonstrated his love in this. And while you're a yet sinner, Christ died for you. Tells us that in Romans chapter five, verse eight, that Jesus came to this earth on a rescue mission to save the least of these, to save the worst off people, to save the people that were in sinful relationships and sinful lifestyles and patterns of life that were just against God and going away from him. And he's saying, I want you I want to save you. I want you to bring you into my family. I want you onto my team. I'm just drawing you in, not because of anything you've done. You put your trust in him, you will be remade. You will be reborn into the kingdom, into his family. And God has made you a leader. God has made you like those other two managers, those other two leaders, that as soon as they put out whatever God has put in them, it's going to multiply because that's what God does. And I want to close and leave you with this, that I was talking with a friend who's a great leader, and I said, what's one thing that if you could tell somebody about leadership, what would it be? And he said, lead for God's sake and do it for God's sake. And I love that. That is the heart of the leader. And I pray that God puts that in you. been listening to Requip Ministries and thanks so much for listening and go ahead head on over to our website for more resources that's requip.org r-e-q-u-i-p.org and you can always connect with me on social media as well and until next time we hope you follow the command to always be prepared for action